Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Alex Coogan-Reeves. In the program this week, the All Whites look to bounce back from their crushing loss to Mexico. Gary Wilkinson adjusts to life as a breaker again. New Zealand sailors are honoured with a top award. And we reflect on the career of Sachin Tendulkar. The All Whites' hopes of qualifying for next year's World Cup in Brazil are likely over after their crushing 5-1 defeat at the hands of Mexico at the Azteca. While there's still the matter of the return league in Wellington, it's hard to see New Zealand scoring the four unanswered goals required to turn the tie around. New Zealand's tepid performance, particularly the passive defensive style, has caused many to call for the coach Ricky Herbert to stand down. However, Herbert is remaining defiant and told Stephen Hewson he's still holding out hope of pulling off the unthinkable. No, I mean, I, I, have, I have a sole responsibility and, and, and focus on putting out a side that can still go and win the tie, you know, albeit if it was a challenge before, it's a massive one now. Um, but that's, that's solely where I sit. I mean, it's about Wednesday. It's not about post that. Um, and if, if that means that, you know, a young player gets a... a a game, then a young player gets a game. You know, it will be purely based on what I feel is, is the best eleven to put on the pitch. Um, given that we've got three suspensions anyway, so there'll definitely be three changes in the group. So it's not a case of going out there to maybe try and save face or, or save some embarrassment. You still, you want to win. Absolutely, and I think we have a responsibility to do that. You know, we're, you know, we've. We've been supported incredibly well by the public who have gone out and, and sold the stadium out. Um, the tie's not dead until the final whistle blows. And, you know, I strongly believe, you know, post that, whatever whatever players need to be looked at, sorted at or whatever um, can be discussed. But, you know, at this red-hot minute, I think it's really important that we're focusing on winning an international football match. Is Wellington going to be Ricky Herbert's final fling with the All-Whites? Uh, that's that's not really a discussion at the moment, Stephen. As I say, my focus is only on uh, on Wednesday at uh, at Wellington, and uh, and what's a and what's a really important game for us. I mean, there's obviously debate, as you can imagine, over your future given that result. Yeah, well, my my contract very clearly goes to the end of the World Cup. If that's Wednesday or or, or beyond, um, time will tell. But um, as I say, my my self focus at the moment is. is only around the Wednesday fixture. Do, do you see there being other suitable candidates for the role? That's not really for me to say, Stephen. At the end of the day, that's not my, it's not my decision. Um, and Tom will tell. I just see you've made one or two comments that that question whether there are. Well, uh, you, you know that's, that's that's just a comment that I've made. So, I mean, people have their opinions, and New Zealand soccer will make decisions and. Um, you know, those those conversations will take take place. Uh, you know, post Wednesday if we haven't qualified. Ricky, do you feel as though you've, I suppose, been recognised enough for what you have achieved with this all white side? Um, well, uh, I don't know. You're in the media as well, Stephen. Do you feel it's been appropriately being delivered? Um, 
you know, I think at, at, at times there's always been, um, I think, from a dis- disrespectful perspective, a, 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 a not a fair alignment to the to the complete management group at the World Cup in 2010, and and the implementation of you know strategically going there to be the only undefeated team in the competition, and potentially that could be the only team in New Zealand that's, that that manages to achieve that. Um, and that that's always been my casing point, I think. That, that team was built on a whole lot of dimensions, and um, but, that, but that's that's irrelevant. We're not in this. We're not in, you know, the football arena for pats on the back. Um, sometimes you're looking for a fair throw of the dice. That's all. Because no doubt you're aware the whole the whispering around is that sort of Ryan Nelson was behind that whole 2010 scenario, which must hurt. Uh, look at the, <laughs> Ryan played a massive part in it, Stephen. You know, I think. Every player played a massive part in it. I think when you look from the top, from Smeltz and Fillon and, and um, Killen leading the line to, to Ryan at the back with Tommy and Winston and Mark Paston pulling off, you know, heroic saves. Um, I think there's a multiple of people that have, have played an integral part in that. But, you know, the, the, the comments always come from, from one or two people, um, not generally from the mainstream media. Do you have a sense of hope, Ricky? I mean, it's, I mean, four goals, it's, it's a big, big task, isn't it, when you're playing a team that Mexico showed why they are 50 places above the All-Whites, and despite their problems of the last few months, they showed what they are capable of. How do you, I suppose, get the side up for Wednesday? Well, I, I think at the end of the day, when you put an all-white shirt on, Stephen, there's a massive responsibility to perform. And, you know, whoever gets selected on Wednesday has an opportunity to do that. And, you know, it, it'll be a never-say-never. And, um, you know, we get 90 minutes to, to perhaps have an opportunity of going to a World Cup. And, and, and whilst that carrot's still dangling, then um, it's very important that the focus is strongly on trying to achieve that. Yes, they're an excellent side, and that's why they have been to 14 World Cups. Um and, and, and they probably have realised the form that everybody believes that, that they're capable of doing. So, you know, we, we're very realistic on, on what that challenge could look like, but we're still a chance. And, and once that chance is there, we're going to be very focused and very determined to, to try and gain that. How difficult is it to go from a, a defensive approach to effectively what's going to have to be all-out attack? Well, I think there was a good reflection of that against Bahrain. You know, I think we... You know, if, if Mark hadn't have pulled off some of the saves that he did in, in Manama, we, you know, we wouldn't be speaking now. But, um, you know, I think we came home and, you know, we were certainly on the front foot. And as that game sort of continued, whilst I missed the penalty, we probably could have won that game 3-0. So, you know, we're going to be at home. There's going to be a good crowd. There's going to be a good responsibility and in, 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 in performing well. And, Stephen, at the end of the day, if the Mexicans beat us at home and we've given absolutely every ounce that we can possibly give, then, you know, I would, I would have no complaints. That's the All-Whites coach Ricky Herbert talking to Stephen Hewson. Stephen also spoke to the former New Zealand captain Danny Hay, who wants to see the All-Whites taking a more adventurous approach into the next match. Yeah, look, I think we've got to play with, with less fear. Um, you know, every time we, we got the ball, it didn't help that we were fit, uh, sitting so deep, but every time we got the ball uh, at the Azteca, we, we gave it away within two seconds. So, you know, I just want to see them play play their own game. We've we've got some talented players there. We've got some pace up front. We've got some ability on to go out there and, and actually show what they're capable of. 
Now you gotta you gotta let the likes of Costa Barbarousas, Chris Wood, Marco Rojas, etc., off the leash and, and let them go and express themselves. Because I think, you know, the couple of times that they that they did counter, and it was only once or twice, but they they looked fairly dangerous. So does Ricky Herbert, in the sense, say right? Well, Brazil is now beyond us. I should be giving those younger guys this exposure. Absolutely. I mean, his, his hands are going to be tied to, to a certain extent because he's he's lost Ivan Vislich, he's he's lost Chris Wood, uh, who else he's lost? Um, is it, I think Leo Bertos as well. So they all picked up yellow cards, so they're not eligible to play play down in Wellington. So you know, it's going to it's going to force his hand, and he's going to have to hopefully play the likes of Bill Tuoloma and Storm Rue and a lot of these young players who are going to be you know around for four, eight, you know, possibly more years. Um, so I think we need to start building and, and looking ahead because I firmly believe we've got we've got a, a talented generation coming through, but I just think they need to be led in, in, a, in a bit more of an attacking sense in terms of the style and structure that we set up and play. Ricky Herbert will find that difficult to do, though, won't he, given his, his seemingly very defensive nature and approach? I mean, will he go out there in the sense trying to avoid further embarrassment rather than looking beyond Brazil? Well, I would hope not. Look, let's be honest, and and, and I, I don't think this is this is wrong to say, but this is going to be Ricky's last game. You know, he's he's led the team for for a long time now, and he's he's had some success, obviously, culminating with with 2010. So this is going to be his last game. Surely he wants to go out on a on a high, and that high being not not the result, but the fact that he now bloods in some players who are going to be there or thereabouts amongst this all-white squad for many years to come. And he can look back with some satisfaction, hopefully, and say, well, hey, I gave I gave Storm Roo his, his first start for the all-whites against uh, a world-class side in front of a big crowd, and he's now kicked on to become such-and-such such for the all-whites. So, look, I, I just hope that, you know, it's not about the results so much for him now. I hope he's, he's not thinking like that about further embarrassment. I hope he's thinking about the betterment of the game in this country and, and what he can sort of leave behind in terms of a legacy and that is introducing some of those younger players into a into a good environment against a very tough side. Will he find that difficult to do? Oh, he will. Absolutely he will. I mean, I think it's against everything um, in, in Ricky's sort of nature. You look at the starting 11 that he, that he started with and there was you know, a lot of experience and a lot of old heads, but Conversely, some some pretty old legs as well out there, and I think that showed at times. Um, you know, you've had, got some guys that have had some uh, magnificent careers and been fantastic for New Zealand, but uh, potentially their time may have may have been up. We may have been better off. You know, it's always easy to look back in hindsight, but it may have been been better off having some some younger legs out there and a bit more mobility. New Zealand football then needs to be looking to who's going to succeed him. Who who do you see as possible contenders, or are there any local contenders? Oh look, I don't think I don't think if if they if they're genuine about trying to take the game forward, I don't think they can look locally. I think they really need to look overseas, and by overseas I don't mean looking at the UK. I think you know we've been there and done that. I think we need to look beyond and into somewhere in Europe potentially. Um, I mean, there'd be plenty of candidates who want to put their hand up for a, for a national team role, and obviously, you know, you could get some some sort of big name or high profile coaches. I mean, New Zealand's a fantastic place to live. You know, people with young families may want to come down here and raise their raise their families here. So, I don't think you would have any shortage of uh, of candidates wanting to wanting to come down and take the all whites. Um, 
but that for me is a big thing. They need to they need to be looking beyond our shores, and we need to try and put in place not just a not just a good coach, but somebody that can can influence the grades all the way down, where we can develop a style of play um, rather than just it changing from under 17s to under 23s, 20, uh, 23s to onto all whites. We need to have a style that is consistent through all the grades, and we need a good coach to be able to implement that. Do you sense that New Zealand football will be prepared to do that? Unlikely. You'd expect a local candidate or someone who's been through the system. Neil Emblem is obviously his current assistant, so New Zealand football likely to to see him as the likely replacement? Well, look, at the moment they seem to be more concerned about uh, just propping up the bank balance rather than actually taking the game forward. So I think they would, you know, in all likelihood probably opt for the for the cheaper option rather than look for the betterment of the game. I would hope that that's not the case, but given the track record, you know, it would be hard to argue against the fact that that's probably the way they would look to do it. The All Whites aren't the only New Zealand team struggling at the moment, with the Breakers trying to recover from their rocky start in the Australian NBL. The three-time defending champions have started the season with five losses in their first seven games, and any hopes of a four-peat look to be vanishing quickly. The return of the import Gary Wilkinson has failed to lift them significantly so far after he replaced Darnell Lazar. I spoke to Wilkinson before their game against Adelaide after a particularly fiery practice session where he looked to be struggling to find his place in the team. I mean, it's my third real full practice with the team and just understanding, you know, I'm not struggling in terms of adjusting or anything it's just understanding where I'm supposed to be and and uh, helping out that way I mean that's that's going to happen every year no matter where you're at um, even if you've been here three years in a row so yeah it's not too much of a struggle <laughs> if you watch me practice I get frustrated a lot so it doesn't matter what you, what part of the season it's <laughs> it's just that's the way I play and um I guess that role that you've got here coming off the bench still enjoying that and that's um you're happy in that role? Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to help any way I can. I love it here, and and uh, I love being a part of this organization. So whatever role I need to fill, I'll do it. Now that you've been back here a few weeks, and obviously it's very different. I mean, you we, what, in your time here, the first time around, there was never a situation where you were you know, really on the back foot like you are now. Mm-hmm. What, what have you noticed that's really different about it? I don't, that's the thing, I don't sense anything different in terms of people's mindset or the way that we practice or the way that we approach games or anything. It's just, you know, it's, that's just the way they seem to, I mean, you get used to winning three championships in a row and you have a situation where you hit a bit of a, a challenge or adversity and people want to go around changing things or questioning whatever has been done and that doesn't make any sense whatsoever to me. I mean, you win some, you lose some, but the biggest thing you can do is just keep the proper mindset and move forward so I think that's exactly what we're doing. Well, the, um, sort of the leaders are still CJ talking to the team there are sort of getting up around this team that now that there are these struggles? No I mean that's that's just what I think the biggest thing you know CJ and Mika and, and they just keep guys together and, and the, the worst thing that can happen is guys we start you know spreading apart or not be you know coming more of a cohesive unit and that's CJ and Mika do a good job of keeping us together. Have you had many situations like this before in your career as a basketballer? Obviously at the breakers it was, uh, you had a pretty good run here. Mm. Have you ever had a season where you've had to come back from a pretty big hole? Nope. <laughs> so it's something new, I guess you're learning learning as you go as well? Yeah, I mean, I, that, like I said, 
I don't feel any different now than when I, you know, I've won a lot of championships in my career. I don't feel any different now than I did then in terms of us as a team or where we're at on the ladder. We're, we're just fine. I guess looking at Adelaide, that was, you played them, Two, that, you, that was your first my game? My first game yeah, here, yeah. So, so you feel you might be able to contribute or a bit more knowing what's going on yeah, this time around? definitely. Definitely, I definitely can contribute a bit more, so um, I'm looking forward to it. That's the breakers import, Gary Wilkinson. It hasn't been all doom and gloom for New Zealand athletes this week, however. The world champion 470 sailors, Joe Alley and Polly Powery, tasted success as they were named the female sailors of the year by the International Sailing Federation. Backing up from their Olympic gold medal last year, the pair broke through at the world championships this year, winning their first title. The award puts them among the greats of New Zealand sailing, Sir Peter Blake and Sir Russell Coots, who are also recipients of the ICAF's top honour. I spoke to Powery, who admitted they weren't expecting the accolade. Quite surprised, really. Um, quite unexpected for us, but uh, yeah, a nice way to cap off the year. As an athlete, obviously you're um, peaking for these big events on the water and things. I guess you don't really put much thought into these winning these sort of awards but when they come they're, they're quite nice yeah exactly exactly um yeah i guess the, the goal for us this year was uh the world championships in august and um we managed managed to win it this year so we, we were pretty happy with that um but yeah i mean this is this is just a, a bit of a perk really and uh it's really nice to be recognized of course um by uh, ISAF and by the sailing community. Um, but yeah, very, very nice for us as well to, to have a bit of recognition for the people that have helped us as well. And you joined some pretty big names in terms of New Zealanders that have uh, won the award with Sir Peter Blake and Sir Russell Coates in there. How, how does that feel to sort of be in that sort of top echelon of New Zealand sailing now, I guess? Yeah, it's, um, yeah I mean... I guess Joe and me, we kind of we sort of still in uh, still in the in the process of competing, um, so we don't we don't really feel like we we sort of belong there. But um, yeah, I guess I don't, I'm not sure. Maybe something to get used to. But uh, yeah, for, for sure, there people that we've looked up to um, throughout our sailing careers and still do. Um, so uh, yeah, it's just a really nice uh, sort of yeah thing to have. Really, yeah. And looking back. Um on your year, I guess it was a great year for you getting that um, world champs following last year with the Olympics. Um, when you look back at this year, how will it compare to last year? I think, um, yeah, I guess for us it was um, quite well, winning the world was, was quite a personal achievement, um, obviously the Olympics is as well. Uh, but so we've tried sort of three or four times uh, in the past to win the world and, and we've um, managed to stuff it up. So, uh, yeah, we're pretty happy to uh, be able to take that one off and um, for ourselves uh, as well as um, for New Zealand. Um, so, yeah, it was probably a, a different sort of celebration, but uh, no less important, I guess, for us, yeah. And uh, so what are your sort of um, plans moving forward from here? Where um, have, you, have you got events coming up over the next few months or do you have a bit of a break or...? Um, yeah, we're, we're back in New Zealand for um, the summer. We have uh, a couple of local events, Sail Auckland and our, um, our, our nationals. 
Um, and then uh, next year is uh, a lot of Olympic qualification um, events. So uh, that, that'll be our focus next year. And now that you've, you know, you've sort of um, topped your class, I guess, um, what, what's how do you keep yourself motivated um, each year, I guess, working towards Rio in a couple of years' time? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, I guess the, the the class that we sail, we're, uh, we're so, we feel like, you know, we, we kind of feel like we're just starting, really. Um, but, you know, people do spend a lot of time in the class that we sail, um, you know, eight to ten years or more. Um, so we've we've only done five together. Um, so, yeah, we, we really just feel like we're just starting and, um, and getting into it. So we're really looking forward to the next uh, few years. And um, as you said, you're coming back to sail in a few events in New Zealand. Is it nice to be able to do that, to be able to come and still uh, do these possibly smaller events at home? Yeah, yeah, no, we love it. I mean, uh, it's not very often we get to compete at home. Um, So we really enjoy just getting out there and uh, racing against some of the, the guys as well. Yeah, and it's been a sort of great year, really, for New Zealand sailing, hasn't it? Um, aside from maybe the America's Cup, but that was still a big event. But then we've had world championships and some of the other classes as well. And, and the sport as a whole is in a pretty good shape, um, especially in those Olympic classes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, we've, we've got a couple of uh, world champion, Kiwi world champions alongside us with um, Pete and Blair and Alex and Molly. So, um yeah, it's, it has been an incredible year for Olympic yachting in New Zealand. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, long may it continue, really. That's Olympic sailor Polly Powery. And this is Extra Time, a web-only sports programme for Radio New Zealand Sport. It's the end of an era in international cricket with the little master, Sachin Tendulkar, playing his final test match for India. Playing 200 tests in a career spanning 24 years and scoring 100 international centuries, Tendulkar's been the most influential batsman of his generation. A deafening roar greeted the 40-year-old as he walked out to bat on his home ground, Wankhede Stadium, for his final test against the West Indies. Morning Report's Jeff Robinson spoke to the former New Zealand batsman Glenn Turner and asked about Tendulkar's influence on the sport. Well, I suppose his record uh, tends to speak for itself, but I think uh, Jaya Wardner made a very good point. I, I tend to remember him and, and regard him highly by you know, his demeanour and the way that he's conducted himself um, over time. I mean, the pressure on him um, from a, a adoring, if you like, Indian uh, crowd, I mean, he's their sort of living god, and... and um, that's not easy to cope with, and yet he seems to have done remarkably well in coping with that sort of pressure that goes along with that. You, you've been up there, I man. How much do you have to turn off to your surroundings and just concentrate on what you're doing? Yeah, well, I was watching it last night, and um, uh, when he did come out to bat, uh, obviously they had the mics up there, and um, there was a lot of noise going on. The Wankati Stadium uh, holds around about 50, 55,000, I think, uh, yeah, I think that it, it it can be more distracting when there isn't a large crowd, actually, and you can hear an isolated voice come out. Um, and if it's one of abuse, well, obviously you hear it perhaps even more. But when you've got 50-odd thousand, uh, it's, it's more of a hubbub. And you, 
to me, it's you don't really hear it the same. And and if you're going to play cricket in a place like India, I mean, he he would be more used to that than anyone else. So I wouldn't have imagined that it would be a problem for him at all. Must have been a bit special with his mum there for the first time. Yeah, I was surprised to hear that. Um, <laughs> I read somewhere that, in fact, he'd had to arrange special wheelchair access for her. So he's determined this will be his last match, isn't he? He's not going to get called back for anything. Yeah, you, you wonder about those sorts of things. But, I mean, he's, he's, he's now 40 years of age, um, and you wouldn't imagine that uh, he would want to make comebacks at that point. And... And you know he's got he's got another big part of his life to look forward to, I'm sure. And um, you know, and good luck to him. It'd be interesting to see where he goes to from here because I know the politicians have been trying to get hold of him, and and I hope that doesn't happen to him actually. <laughs> right. He he's made centuries in both Test matches and the One Day game. He's made a hundred international centuries all round. It's just an extraordinary achievement, isn't it? Yes, he's got 49 in ODIs, one-day internationals, and 51 in tests. Um, he's actually got uh, 81 overall um, in first-class cricket because, of course, during his career, he was so fully occupied with the international scene that it didn't give him an opportunity to play the normal first-class games for Maharashtra or whoever. Um, and, um, and and therefore, it, it meant that he didn't actually get a 100 first-class hundreds, but... You know, to get a hundred um, international hundreds is, is more significant anyway. Would you say that he is the best batsman you've ever seen? Um, well, you know, at times he has been. Uh, he's like everyone else. He's very human. I mean, he, he averaged, what, 53. Um, so on a good day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, OK. Uh, yeah, I, I think he's got <clears throat> poise at the crease. He's got very good balance. And, and he's got a check drive, which, which means he doesn't have to thrash the ball. So he, he has timing. And um, being a short man, five foot five, he doesn't get the extension of arms, which, which I rather like aesthetically with, with some batsmen. Uh, but that was, <clears throat> you know, you could... That's a minor that. quibble, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm picking a bit there. But uh, he certainly got poise and, and, and control and balance. And, and, and that's... That aesthetically is pleasing also. And that's the show for this week. Feedback is welcome via sport at radionz.co.nz. You can get the latest sports news anytime on our website. I'm Alex Coogan-Reeves and we'll be back with the next Web Only Extra Time show next week. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.